Great teachers don't just come from the classroom. They can be found almost anywhere in your life. That's why we, Wade and Hope King, created this podcast to connect you with the stories, the tools, and the joy you need to take education to the next level. Nowadays, everyone's an educator. Whether you chose that career or not. And we're all in this together. So come on, let's do this. Welcome Welcome to to the the new EDU. episode, we have one of our very good friends and educators back with us, Corey Markison from True Tales of a Teacher. We said last time that her Instagram handle is perfect for her because she just sets the record straight. Just says it like like it is. Says it like it is. Keeps the truth in the teaching profession. And so um, if you remembered, if you have not listened to her first podcast, honestly, I would recommend that you go listen Mm -hmm. to that one first because this was mid-pandemic and we really talked about the hardships. We talked about the challenges. We talked about climbing this never-ending mountain, what it looked like to teach during a pandemic, what challenges she Mm -hmm. was facing, what she felt like was taken away from her yeah. as part of the pandemic and, uh, and being and, an educator. And we're still seeing a lot of people who are listening to to Corey. And I just saw today someone was going back listening to that podcast while yeah. they were on a road trip. And it's yeah. just very, it was very, I think, affirming for a lot of people to know that, hey, it's okay that I feel this way because a lot of people are in the same boat right now. Yeah. And so we wanted to be able to bring her back on and hear not the ending to the story by any means, but again, we talked to her mid-pandemic, and so we just wanted to invite her back on and talk about how that journey continued. What, Mm -hmm. if she has any wisdom, advice for the hard seasons of teaching, maybe how she found a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, how she found herself again, because that is one thing that I noticed Mm -hmm. with Corey specifically, watching her journey and and being so close to her and chatting with her Mm -hmm. outside of social media as well, but just really, it was really just made my heart so happy to see her find herself again in teaching because I know that I talked to her back when the pandemic was in full force and she was, I don't even know if I'm going to do this anymore. I don't even know if I can be in this profession. Which a lot of teachers which, are that way. When I'm hearing that from one of the uh-huh. best teachers I know, right. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we have a problem. Um, So anyways, we're going to stop talking. We are going to bring on and welcome everybody to the new EDU. Yep. Once again, Corey Markison, everybody. Hey, Corey. Hello. Hello, hello. So, Corey, just quickly, because we're encouraging them to go back and listen to your first episode where you did introduce yourself, Mm -hmm. but just go ahead and fill them in, fill in the gaps in case they're choosing to kind of listen to it in reverse. Give us a little background information on who you are, what you do, um, just some information about Corey. I am a third grade teacher in Dallas, Texas, uh, part of the Get Your Teach On team. I have worked in Dallas for seven years now at one school. And it's the school that I met all my best friends at. We travel together. I mean, we're inseparable. So it's been just the dream team kind of situation of teaching. And then I kind of hit a standstill where I was ready to grow. And so this past year, you know, in a pandemic is the perfect time to move schools, of course, right? (laughs) I went, well, and in my thought back then, I was like, this is perfect because I don't want to have to say goodbye to like the community and the kids. And like, I felt like it was, I could just slide out the door and not have to really like address any of those feelings with it. And I was like, this is the perfect time to make a new switch. And was I so, so, so wrong. So I went into a new school this past fall in a pandemic and was a full virtual teacher, then was a virtual in-person teacher. My class changed about six times. I think I had six different first days of school and I am an Enneagram eight 
uh, for better, for worse, but I am someone I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Well, I'm trying to push through and just like go head first into this conflict. That was the pandemic. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And the more I pushed, the more I slowly lost myself and who I was and kind of questioned everything that I had ever known to be true about teaching and my profession and my passion. And I, I questioned everything. And so it was the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I wanted to quit. It was so very hard. I mean, y'all saw firsthand. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that in the last podcast, I remember a conversation I was having with Wade, and I'm just crying. And I'm like, I don't know why know. I'm crying, but I could not talk about school or work or anything without just like immediately being in tears, like feeling so out of control with my emotions and my mental state. So after, you know, a lot of good friends and family and y'all kind of encouraging, like, Hey, go get help. I was finally got to the point where I'm like, I can't keep pushing through this. The light at the end of the tunnel is not right around the corner. Like we've got to do something now and I have to get control of myself again so that I can be the best person for me first and foremost. And then for my school, for my kids and kind of, I think that also helped me be able to dive into all the different issues that were building to affect this. You know, it wasn't just the pandemic. It wasn't just virtual teaching. It was so many things. And I, I think I had such a fog. I couldn't even sort all that out until, you know, I took control of myself and talked to someone and got on medication really scaled everything back. Yeah. We were open in our last conversation that we had with you and Wade and I are open pretty much on every podcast. I feel like we talk about it to some degree, but just the power of taking, like you said, sometimes things feel so out of control and we might not be able to control them all ourselves. Right. And we, as much as we want to, we can't. And so reaching out to have help, to find help. There are professionals out there who can walk you through this process, who know firsthand strategies and coping mechanisms and things that we aren't equipped with. Right. And so there are so many things that I know that all three of us have talked about that we've learned through talk therapy, as well as I am on medication as well. Wade is, you are as well. And I'm not saying that that is the answer for every person by any means. I have a lot of friends who struggle with anxiety and they cope perfectly fine without having medication. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I know that my Mm -hmm. therapist talks to me a lot about, and one thing that I want you to talk a little bit about too, is because I never want for anyone to think, oh, go get on medication and that'll solve all of your problems. Mm -hmm. That my therapist always says there are four main things that Mm -hmm. you need to do to take the best care of yourself. And that, and and he said, sometimes you don't need all of them, but you've got to figure out which ones work for you. And that is physical exercise. It is physical exercise some type of faith, some type of faith or religion, commitment to that faith, talk therapy and medication if needed. And he said he kind of walks people through those slowly to see Mm -hmm. what it is exactly that they need. But just because you get on medication, it's not like, oh my goodness, okay, now I can be the teacher that I want to be again. Yes, it does make coping a little bit easier. It does give you, you know, kind of a little bit of push into being able to make some changes. But what did you have to do? What did you have to do to really start, you know, you took the steps to take care of yourself, but that's only a piece of the puzzle. What were some of the things that you found the most challenging that either you had to let go of or that you had to be able to take the pressure off of? Because we are going to get to the journey, the part of the journey where we're going to talk about how you found your spirit again, how you found yourself again. But that does not happen overnight by saying, okay, you know what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow, go to the doctor, get on medication, and boom, there I am. There's the old court. So just kind of guide us through a little bit of that journey because I know so many people are on these roads right along with us and we're all at a different place, but I think there's just so much power and hearing from others and and their journey to to finding, you know, that that moment, that season of happiness again. Yeah. I mean, I think something that I I said at one point of the pandemic when I was just like spewing all my emotions, I said, I want to get rid of the word just. The word just needs to be thrown out of the 
what are the window mm-hmm. out of our dictionary. Like it is so it, it takes away all validation of your feelings. When you say, Oh, just this. Oh, wow. Cause there's never a just answer. And that's mm. how, and I also think I'm always someone like, go, 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 go. I want right. to go. Yep. I want to succeed. I want to get to the end point. And I think, you know, this also kind of un, unraveled some of my probably issues before the pandemic that were, you know, under the surface. And then yeah. this just kind of pushed out. And I think that's just an everyday teaching. I mean, I want to be the perfect teacher. I want to do everything and everything well. And if I'm failing in this one aspect, I always think, I need to find the expert or the someone out there who can give me the one answer, the one thing mm-hmm, I'm missing, that's mm-hmm. just it. And then I'm going to fix it. Yep. And I've learned that that has never happened. Like it's never just that easy. It's never just one more thing. It's everything together. And so I think that was also, you know, in the pandemic, I kept thinking, I just have to do this, or you just have to do that. And it felt still like, it's not that simple survival. So I think, yeah. And I think taking that away altogether and not expecting it to be a, one person, one word of advice, one answer would fix everything. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's just, I think, again, my personality in general, I was always just wanting the quick fix so I can go on to the next thing and be succeeding. Mm-hmm. So that I think accepting and acknowledging that there was no just, this was going to be a long process. And I had to kind of like let go of the control and just ride the wave of it <laughs> was big. And, and I think validating your feelings too was so big, you know, just validating that it was hard for me in the time because everyone was going through the pandemic. So it kind of kept saying if every job is having issues, all that, but also, you know, maybe it's like we're narcissistic, but I think it's because I truly like believe in teachers and am passionate about teachers and teaching that our job is different. It is different than anyone else that experienced pandemic because we already do a job that's underpaid, undervalued, underrespected, and we do it anyway because we have passion, we have purpose for the connections mm-hmm. for all these things. And so we were having to come and still do this job, but every reason that I do it every single day was taken away. And so that made it drastically different than than any other person who was just going to do their job in the pandemic. And I felt uh, guilty at the time trying to like, when people say, oh, you know, we're all in it. I'm like, you're right, you're right. But also being able to validate and say like, no, like this is different for us and it's different for me and that's okay. And you don't have to understand it, but me validating that I am not wrong. I don't have to lower myself or belittle myself to everyone else's standard of what is okay helped me a lot. Just acknowledging that. Man, that's so powerful. I mean, and I never thought about that before of, because I think a lot of people, especially if you're listening right now, if you're sitting in the car or wherever you're listening, I think Corey's story definitely resonates with every person in some aspect, whether it's during the pandemic and talked about that a little bit last time or out of the pandemic or it's going to happen to you at some point because at some point it doesn't matter. You're, you're going to lose control on what you can control. And so that word of just, I just want to be happy. I just want to make this happen. I just need, if I just had new administration, if, it, if the, I just, the pandemic could just go away. I mean, just, so if I could ways. just have this class or if I could just have more time in the day, mm-hmm. yo, get, ah, wow. Holy cow. Corey, that's, well, I think it, that's so powerful. It made me realize too, while I think the pandemic was like the tipping point for me, I would not have gotten to where I was in the pandemic and where my mental state was if it wasn't for a lot of unhealthy building blocks. Sure. I had a lot of unhealthy building blocks there and then that just on top of it pushed me over. So I guess kind of when I was able to get back to a good mental state of thinking, I don't want to just go back to like where I was because I got to this point because of how I built myself up. So now it's not just oh, I'm on medication. I'm great. Like now I kind of have to, at this point, unpack this whole last year 
and figure out what unhealthy habits do I have? What unhealthy mm-hmm. mindsets have I built? What unhealthy, you know, anything in there that I have built up that kind of just pushed its way on out. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just, just real quick, I mean, we saw your journey and as we're talking about this right now, I mean, if you think about when all of us really started talking to you, it was December. That's mm-hmm. not that much time from the beginning of the school year to December with a pandemic. And so all of this hit you so incredibly fast and incredibly hard. And for our listeners, I mean, it doesn't take a lot, especially like you said, Corey, if stuff had been building up before and it's easy to cover it up. This pandemic opened up our our minds and our eyes to things that have been underneath the surface for so incredibly long. And I think after this pandemic, coming back to normalcy, we have got to remember that. And I love how you just noted, hey, just because I'm on medicine, I don't want to go back to the way I was before. I want to really see what I was doing and really focus on what's truly important and, and, and how I can continue to better myself. That's that's good. Yeah. And that's, you know, why I pointed out, too, that it, it's not just, you know, for me specifically, because I don't want to speak as an expert on this in any way, shape or form. But for me, I didn't want medication just to be a Band-Aid. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be a resource, a resource to allow me to be able to learn how to cope and to learn how to implement practices. And for me, me, one of the biggest things, and it's exactly what you're saying, Corey, is mindfulness, is being mindful, taking the time to really stop and say, okay, what is, you know, assessing situations. When I notice my anxiety starting to rise, assessing what is going on, assessing what's leading to that. And I think that there is, you know, for many of us, this pandemic, while it wasn't our best season of life, some people might have loved it, right? But well, it wasn't our best season of life. One thing that it really taught me is that sometimes we need to have those moments of silence. We need to have those moments that typically people like myself and you're, we don't like those kind of moments because when we start to sit in silence, we start to recognize all of the anxiety creeping up. But it's only when that anxiety creeps up that we can start to be mindful of what is actually triggering it, what's mm-hmm. causing it to happen. Yeah. And so I think that that is so important. And I feel like I, I got to that mindfulness not that easily. Because again, when I got on medication, I very much wanted it to be a Band-Aid to get to the end and sweep everything back 100%. under the rug. Yes. But like an unexpected thing I think I saw happen, you know, in that season and now is the guilt. Like I didn't understand yeah. that guilt was so closely tied to depression. At least it was for me. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way I've been able to like push the guilt aside is by being thoughtful and mindful about like understanding who I was and what my feelings were and what my emotions were. Because then if I truly understand that, I feel like it's easier to not feel guilty about the choices I made or what I did. Because like when I was in that season, if I had a really bad day, the next day I would feel so guilty for putting my family and my teammates through it. Like, why could I not just move on like everyone else? Why could I not handle it like mm. everybody else? Mm-hmm. Why could I not do X, Y, Z? And it would be guilt. Yeah. Mm. And now yeah. being able to look back and being like, well, why I couldn't do that is because I have not figured out an effective way to communicate when I'm in stress. That's why I couldn't do it. So being able to be mindful, I don't have to be guilty about it, but I can see what was, what were those pieces that played into that, you know, and, and now in the summer, the guilt very much is like, I was in, you know, working at the beginning of the pandemic when, you know, you're at home 24 seven, I was trying to create any kind of routine possible. So I was working on every single day. I ate almost the same thing every day. I was probably the best shape that I've been in since college. And I was feeling great about myself. And then I went to work and it, blew up. Like, I mean, but I'm could right now be sitting and being very mad at myself, feeling guilty for the choices I made. But I remember that like when I was in the fall, in the spring, 
I was in survival mode. Like the choices I was making was not, I could not think long-term. I was doing what I had to do to make the next step to get up the next day. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was getting more sleep. It wasn't getting working out. Mm-hmm. Now, no, looking back, I can say, I know realistically, like that would have helped me. But when I was in that state, I was in survival mode. And so kind of remembering not to feel guilty about that, but then also what is the building block there that set up that unhealthy relationship to not be able to have those standards and that, that break from work and the routines in my life. And so kind of trying to figure that out instead of leaning on the guilt. Yeah. And when you're in it, you feel trapped. Oh, like you, you can't see out of it. You, yeah. you can't see the light. You at feel the like end it's your forever. You feel like this is, really this is the new me. And this is what I have to accept. Yeah, right. I mean, and this just listeners. I mean, this is just a reminder that, that there is an out, even though like if you are going through yeah. something like this right now, you can't see it. We're here to tell you that, that there is. And and we have a you have a community right here, the Get Your Teach On community. Reach out to us. DM us. Talk to us. Like we are here. I, I guarantee you someone on our team has experienced something similar to what you're going through. And Corey, you, you have a great friend in Chelsea. I mean, you, you talked about how she was there for you this whole entire time. And mm-hmm. we, we, we've we never asked you to, to share about that. We're not asking you to do that now, but we know 100% that she was there for you this whole oh, yeah. this whole time. And that and that's a testament to, I mean, she, you, you taught with her. Is that where you guys met? You, did you know each other yeah. before teaching? Yeah. So you, you were colleagues, right? And that was one of, and that's so, so, so critically important that, hey, you're, you're teaching community, your school community, find those people, find those people that, that can hold your hand and that you can hold their hand and just listen. Cause I guarantee you, Chelsea, she listened to you, but she'll kick you in the <laughs> yeah. butt when you need that swift <laughs> kick in the butt too, but you'll well, do the same either- for her. It made you realize, I think it's made me realize and really see firsthand how to be a good friend and a good family member, be someone who's truly there. Mm. Cause so much of what she did was when she knew I was having a, like, she just showed up at my doorstep mm, and I'm just wow. like sitting on the couch in the dark bawling. And she just sat on the couch and I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. And she's like, it's okay. I'm just here. And I'm wow. like, that's, that's what you need. And that, you know, so many people, when you're in that tough time, well, let me know if I can help. And it was the Chelsea's that didn't wait for me to say, here's what I need for you to do. Cause I could yeah. not verbalize what I needed to help. So, yes. you know, now on the other side, I'm like, I want to try to be that for someone else as well. And that's good for you listening that if you're not in the state yeah. and you see someone who is like just being there is so huge. I mean, you know, that's what it means to check on your people. It doesn't just mean to say, let me know if I can be there. Let me know if I can help. I talk all the time about Amelia Capitosta and how she, when I was struggling so much with postpartum depression with Maverick and I, I felt so trapped and I felt like what did I, I mean, truly i felt like I ruined my life and I just couldn't move past it. And it was the the depression, but she would text me every day. And sometimes I wouldn't respond to her for a week, sometimes more. And she didn't care. She would text me every single day. I mean, you know, and I, I Corey Collins showed up at your, at our door. And he knew I wasn't going (laughs) to answer. He knew I was not going to answer the door because I was in such a dark place. He stood on the railing, the banister looked in my window and pounded it and said, open this door. But that's what it means to check on your people. That's what it means to prioritize your friendship sometimes. And so if you have a friend that you recognize is struggling, check on them. And it doesn't mean just say, hey, let me know if I can do anything for you. Sometimes it's literally showing Mm -hmm. up at their front porch and banging on their door and saying, I'm I'm here. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to entertain me. I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm just here. I'm, and sometimes you just need right. for someone to accept you in your darkest moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what I saw about Amelia and Corey specifically is that they're like, 
Corey showed up. He's like, I, I'm just sitting. I'm just here to sit. I'm, I'm just literally like he wasn't going to talk to me. He wasn't going to have a conversation. But just recognizing, wow, somebody accepts me mm-hmm. in literally my darkest space where I'm not even accepting myself. There are other people who do. Which but that is was just, too like that's them taking away the just like they weren't coming to give you an answer. They weren't coming yeah. to give you advice. They weren't like that was great for me. I'm like it validated so much of what I was feeling for me just to say it and her just take it. In. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it yeah. wasn't anyone trying to like yeah. steer me any different way. Just take it in. And I'm yeah. like, that was so huge. And I don't think she realized that in the point or knew what to say, but like that alone, again, it's taking that, it's just this and yeah. making you feel like you're not insane. <laughs> and you know, mm-hmm. a good point that you just made for people who maybe don't struggle with anxiety or depression, right? Because they're always like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how you don't have to say anything. Be there. Be there, be present with people, be present with friends that you know struggle with that. You don't have to have the right words. Honestly, we right. don't need you to come in and try to fix our problems. We don't want that. Mm-mm. We don't We don't need for you to come in and try to fix it. Don't Trust me, me, we're trying to fix it ourselves. Advice, right? yeah. um, it's just a matter of saying, I'm here, I'm here. I just want you to know I'm here. I'm right here with you. I've got your back. I'm championing you on. I'm cheering you mm-hmm. on. I've got you. You just want to know that you're not alone. And so much of that, you know, Sarah Plum has been such a big, right. you know, yeah, friend to me during that yeah. time as well. So just having yeah. those people in your corner, I think is so important. Let, let me ask you this, Corey. All right, so... December happens, right? January comes. You're still kind of in that state a little bit. February's here. Winter dark months, right? (laughs) March comes around. And what do you start to notice around March, April-ish? Are you still kind of in that space? What starts kind of happening inside your mind, inside your body, just in your circumstance during that time period? Yeah, I mean... The job was still awful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that never changed all year, but I was able to control my emotions about it and accept some things the way they were. And that's always been hard for me. I'm a, a again, as an eight, I'm a fixer. Like I want to fix things. Mm-hmm. I want to make everything right. And it was hard. I've never been good at accepting when I see it's not done the right way or it's not correct. Just accepting that. I feel like March and April is finally just like an acceptance. Like some of these things aren't going to change and it is what it is, but changing a perspective to just looking for joy in the day mm. and, and kind of not feeling guilty also in the being able to do me. Cause part of me was again, the guilt of I've struggled all this year. Now, if I'm great and coming into my normal self, then was I lying or, you know, now people, what are they going to think of me? But just being not, afraid to say, you know what, I'm going to come in to find joy and do what is going to make me happy and me a better person and not looking for the perfect acceptance. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. and that's so hard. I think awareness and and acceptance acceptance. and, and being able to do that with a clear mind. Again, not all the problems are fixed, but it's, it's those small steps and those small victories. And again, from September, August to March, that's still not that much time. Right. And Mm -hmm. so for you to be able to be aware and accept what what was happening. I mean, there are so many people out there that takes years and years and years to be able to do that. And if you do struggle with mental health or you're going through a season that's difficult right now and you're listening, I mean, it's it's one of those things to where you have got to really, 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 really understand exactly what Corey's talking about. Don't feel guilty about how you feel or what's going on because that'll only lead to judgment. And you mentioned that just a second ago. like. When I go back, I'm going to try to find joy. Yo, that's that's doing me. That's what I need for me. It doesn't matter what these other people think about me. Yeah, I was in a horrible space. Yes, I'm still in a horrible space, but I recognize that. And being able to try to overcome that, 
Oh my goodness. Well, it's really funny because, and Corey, you'll totally laugh at this too, but you know, when Wade and I are at schools and the first thing that we start with when we're doing a training or a workshop at school is a, an activity that I actually created out, out of pandemic. Cause I was like, what the heck? Like we, we created Thank it. you. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. Wade created it. Fine. No, um, we I mean, I remember. Really, it was reworking a concept that was already created to make it fit for us. But um, right. it was called Plate of Priorities. And we have teachers do this. And I always have them do their professional priorities, right? Their classroom. And it's so funny because as soon as people finish, I say, I wonder how many of you made yourself a priority. And I promise you, every time we're working with teachers, Don't they Don't tell say, people that now. Oh, my goodness. We get them every time. <laughs> I do. But now, oh, it's gosh. Fine. It's fine. Darn it. But they will always say. Get them every time. <laughs> They will, you, you can't, you've got to be honest when, if we're at your school. They'll always say, we've never been allowed to think like that. And mm -hmm. it's so true. And, I, you know, I started really questioning not myself. Not saying it's their administration not allowing no, them. It's no. just the concept of being an The educational system. Period. Yeah. Period. Right. And so I really started questioning, like, what, like, who? there's just been some moments, like, when mm. we've been working with schools that I learned, like I said, just as much from teachers as they are we hope that they take back from us. Um, but, you know, I really started thinking about, do teachers actually know what it looks like? And more importantly, what it feels like to be able to show up well. I don't mean just to be present at school. I don't mean just to be there every day, day in and day out. I mean to show up well for themselves. Because mm -hmm. we've talked about how research is tied directly to teacher. Teacher wellness is tied directly to right. student, student emotional mm -hmm. achievement, academic achievement. There are many, many, many studies, right? Mm -hmm. But do teachers actually know what it feels like to show up well? I mean, what do you well, and, what do you think about that? Well, teaching is a part. It's it's a caretaking profession, and I think you go into the caretaking role. And when you're a caretaker, it's not about you; it's about them. Yeah. And so I feel like we turn a little bit into martyrs. Of it's not about me; it's about them, and I yeah. do everything for them and for them. And that was huge this last, you know, like I said in the spring of I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this because I need this. And if it doesn't necessarily relate in their test scores right now, that's something I'm willing to fall on. But this has to be for me right now. And I have to find that joy. And we deserve to find that joy. Like we went through all kinds of crap this past year and deserve to find yeah. joy in whatever state we're currently in. And I think too, you know, for so long, I want to get to my perfect state before I can find joy. Mm. I think that's like women with our bodies. Like I have to be completely put together in the right you know, physical state before I'm allowed to find joy in myself. And that's something in the summer too, that I'm letting go of the guilt with, of I'm not there because of the choices I made, but you know, I made it through last year Yeah. and the body that I'm in is what got me through last year. And I deserve to have joy. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. that's it. But I think it's so hard for educators because we are caretakers, yeah. caretakers first and people second. Yep. We are as educators, no matter what role you play, we are servants and we sacrifice everything for that servanthood or that's what we've been told that we have to do, like that martyr mentality. And that's not okay because if you sacrifice everything, there's nothing left for yourself. And I love that, that you talked about finding joy and not being just happy, just and happy. Happiness is a moment, right? Happiness will fleet. It's gone. It's gone away. And you hear people a lot say, I, and again, with your point, just, if you're using just, it doesn't work. Just it's not right. Happy. I just want to be happy again. Yo, you, 
Happiness goes away. Joy lasts with you forever. You can carry joy in the hard times and in the good times. And that is so powerful that you said that because that's that's something that we have truly, truly found during this season too. Even yeah. when you're not happy. Exactly. I mean, that, those two things don't have right. to happen simultaneously. Mm. And I think a lot of people yeah. think that. But I do want to get into this because I think this is important. We've talked a lot about you taking care of yourself, what that looked like for you, what that journey looked like, the help that you needed to find for yourself, the steps that you put in place Mm -hmm. to pour into yourself. But how did you find out? Because I want to give, obviously, listeners a takeaway because there's a... In education, we can all name many moments where we've lost the joy, where we couldn't find the joy. We couldn't find the excitement and the enthusiasm. So once you started taking care of yourself, what steps did you go through or what strategies did you put in place to help you discover the joy again, to help you find those moments in your classroom, to help you kind of rediscover Corey as an educator? What did that look like? I mean, I think a big part of it was just first and foremost, closing my door. And when it came to work, at least closing my door and just reprioritizing and even like listing out, like what parts of this job do I love? You know, do I love pounding down on the data and making myself sick at night because I can't control everything that those virtual students are doing? No, like I don't love that. Mm -hmm. I love laughing at my kids. I love, I love us having random dance parties with random songs. (laughs) Like those are the things I love. I love playing at recess with my kids. So those are the moments I would say starting in, you know, February, March that I went full force into while my teaching and my math block still was, oh, and it still frustrated me and it still wasn't a happy moment. Then we went out to recess and I went and was swinging on the swings with the kids. We went and we collected a jar full of ladybugs together. We laughed. We drew a chalk. Like those moments I loved. And then we went back in, but we, because I had those moments when I was, you know, trudging through a math lesson that was frustrating and not my best. I saw the connection with the kids that they, we were laughing together, having fun because I knew them as a person and they knew me as a person. And I think that was huge for me and for us. And then kind of going into, you know, at the end of the year, I did some room transformations and I think taking down expectations of myself was huge. Like I'm doing this because I want to have fun. Um, it may not be what it's ever been in the past. It's okay. But also realistically, I know in my heart that the kids care about the decoration for all of five minutes and then they could care less. I can put that decoration up and then do nothing and they are over it in about five minutes. Yeah. Right. It is not something yeah, that all day fact. long. They're like, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> it's a five minute wow moment. And then it's really about the rest of the day. Exactly. And so kind of taking that pressure of, it's not about the decorations. It's not about the games I'm making. It's about how can I have fun? Mm-hmm. How can I bring in my kids' interests in this? What can we do together? And kind of shifting that mindset, even though that maybe what everyone else on the outside saw, they saw, oh, room transformation. Yeah. I know for me personally that my mindset and it was very different. So that helped the time. What you enjoyed doing is what energized you in this case Mm -hmm. to the things that kind of pulled that out. Yeah. But also I think it's so important to capitalize on what you said about you could have easily just said, okay, I'm in a really dark place right now. I'm going to throw up a room transformation because that's what I love doing. And that's the style that I love to teach in. So I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do it for the sake of doing it for me to bring back joy. But I love that you said, I knew it couldn't be about that first. 
I had to get back to the connections with my students. Mm-hmm. I had to get back to establishing and laying that foundation for trust, establishing those moments yep. of joy outside of academics, establishing those moments where, again, we, we don't have to just be teacher and students, but we get to be humans together and grow together and learn together. Because again, you know, Wade and I, for the longest time, I feel like we're finally transitioning out of this. We were the room transformation people, and everybody thought that engagement had to be a room transformation, and that was the only, <laughs> even though we never said that, that is what people got, and that's so that's the message got. that they received. Yep. But the reality of it is that, you know, and maybe we've become better about our communication or, or whatever it may be, but the reality is we can throw up a room transformation anytime, like you said. I, I can throw up a room transformation it doesn't mean that it's going to be successful. Decorations aren't what makes it successful. Connections. Connections mm-hmm. will always be the heart and soul of what makes any teaching style, any instructional style effective. Now, I'm not just saying that you can just have connections because we do have to educate, right? But once we have those connections, the students will actually give us permission to yep. educate them right. in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. And that's how they're going to start responding to music or responding to games or responding to room transformations mm-hmm. or responding to whatever style of instruction you are bringing in in those moments. And so I love that you said, you know what, I had to take it back and say, first, I've got to reestablish the connections. In a time period where there was no connection, because that was the one thing that was lacking during the pandemic, that's what you chose to capitalize on. And I think Mm -hmm. that that is what ultimately led you to the end of the year where you were doing room transformation after room transformation after room transformation. Catching up. Because you were motivated by the connections. Yeah. And as someone, I mean, y'all know I love a room transformation, but in the fall, I'm not kidding. I muted so many people on Instagram because I saw and I was like, nope, can't see that right now. Nope, can't see that right now. They made me angry. Like seeing them made me angry. And Mm -hmm. I know we had a conversation where I lost and I was like, People can't see this. Like, you can't see this. This is not what, it's frustrating. It's like, I want to be there. And so when I went into the end of the year, I was honestly kind of nervous and scared to, for the next room transformation I did, because I had such strong feelings for so long. And then I kind of felt like a hypocrite, but so much of what you just said, it surprisingly was not hard or was not like a weird jump back into it after those strong emotions, because it led with the students and with the connections. Yeah. Mm. It led with us having fun together and being together and appreciating that company that we mm-hmm. have. Because again, that was one of the parts of the pandemic was so hard was being taken out of that. So I'm like, if I have this in front of me, these kids, these connections, that's what I'm going to lean into. And then once I did that, the room transformation aspect of it was so simple. Yeah. But I, I mean, I could not see that in the fall and I was Woman, nothing to do with them. <laughs> yeah. The, and the reason it was successful and the reason you didn't have those emotions tied to it is because it was authentic. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. had just tried to throw it up for the sake of throwing it up, you probably would have those emotions. You would have had those frustrations tied to it. You would have been like, why did I even do this? But it was it, it was the authenticity of it. And that's what leads to true joy in the classroom. And that's what, you know, again, we encourage educators. There are so many strategies out there. Don't just do something because you see it on social media. Right. If it's not authentic mm-hmm. to you and to if your students, for you. I don't mm-hmm. care how amazing your decorations are. It's not going to be an, an effective strategy. We didn't even plan this, but without even planning it, we kind of really summed up what it looks like to start I guess, I don't want to say move out of a dark place because listen, we all would agree that if we could have moved ourselves out of a dark place, we would have, right? And we still have struggles. And we still have struggles. It's not like it's over. There's still periods of darkness. I mean, I I never want to say, take these steps and you'll get yourself out of the depression because I would have taken those steps as hard and fast as I could. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we have to allow we have to allow time to run its course. We have to allow ourselves to process whatever 
trauma, whatever triggers, whatever pain, whatever it may be. But there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But I think that some powerful strategies that we all named during this conversation was awareness. Mm -hmm. It's the mindfulness, right? We've got to take the time to sometimes live in that pain. And that is hard because awareness, you have to revisit the things that sometimes cause you the most pain or cause you the most stress or cause you the most guilt or whatever it may be, right? So it's the awareness. And then it's the acceptance Acceptance. of saying, it's okay. It's okay that I feel this way, or it is okay that, that I have angry these emotions. that I see these things. A hundred percent. And then you can be like, hey, oh, why do I, why, well, why does it make me mad? Yeah. Oh, this is why. Yeah. And allowing, allowing that this may not be over too. Like yes. I exactly. feel great right exactly. now. And I'm not going to lie. I have a lot of anxiety about going back to work because right now, I mean, in Texas, life's normal. Like yeah, everyone's right. back to normal. What's COVID? And I think <laughs> the second things go back to normal, the expectation is for you to, oh, it's back to normal. You need to be back to normal. Right. And school right. is back to normal. So you should be back to normal. And I don't want to like make light of, you know, trauma, but I, I do think there's a little bit of PTSD that a lot of teachers have gone through this year. 100%. And I think going back into school, mm-hmm. even though it is normal, quote unquote, may be triggering to some people because we haven't fully grasped the emotions and the effects that, like you were saying earlier, the long-term effects this has had. Right. And so I think, you know, giving yourself the acceptance to not have to be okay, a hundred percent or back to normal, or if you feel great, great, great. And then you have, you know, a really bad day or a bad moment or mm-hmm you feel frustrated that that's okay and reminding yourself that this is a long-term effect of the trauma that we've gone through this past year and yeah. that's normal yeah yeah you're sh- still in it like exactly. it's not yeah. a it's not a fix-all it doesn't happen overnight it's not a quick fix no. it is what it is and yeah. so accepting that yeah the awareness the acceptance and i think that that is what leads us to authenticity being able to show up as mm-hmm. authentically as ourselves and i think that authenticity is what the, leads to the joy freedom to be able to do that but in my mm-hmm. journey those things it, it's almost like they have to go in that order for me to be able to get there and the way in which my body and my mental state processes those i cannot speed up the processing part and i think that that was what's frustrating for me is that you can know these things all day long, but at the end of the day, our brain is extremely powerful and it's going to mm-hmm. run its course and it's going to process things at the rate in which it wants to. You can, um, so much. you can only do so much, but I think that those things have been key for all of us. Just hearing this conversation is the awareness, the acceptance, the authenticity, and that's what leads to finding the true joy and spirit of the classroom again. Yeah. Life. And life mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So Corey, thank you, first of all, for being so open. Uh, you know, you have been one of, I feel like the leading educators in let's talk about truths of education, especially during the hard seasons. I mean, let's not, year, yes. let's not hide Holy it. Cow. Let's not. And you've done it in such a way that it's not like, let's just sit here and just drown in our sorrows, but let's let's be a community of people who are based on truth, mm. are based on the realities, because that's how we're going to move forward in this journey together. And so um, thank you for being so willing to share. I know if you follow her on True Tales of a Teacher. She shares a lot of her journey as an educator, but also for being willing to share on so many different platforms. But, you know, advice for teachers, because it's I don't want to say this, okay, because it is summer and we're not thinking in that direction. But eventually, folks, we do have to go back to school. What advice are you giving yourself? That's what I was going to say. Oh, you're yeah. not. <laughs> what no, advice are you giving yourself as yeah. you head back into next school year? Yeah. Like I said, I'm having a lot of anxiety about going back to work and what that's going to look like. And a lot of things that were so hard last year are just like, I'm like, I hope it's so different. I hope it's different. So that, that anxiety is there. So the way I'm fighting that anxiety is kind of 
trying to create one acceptance that it's okay if we do go back and I have some hard moments and I'm not the exact same person I've been all summer. Cause yeah. that's the thing. One summer got, I was like, I'm great. I'm mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. You know, in that I feel like a lot of teachers in general, when you go back to school, so much of your life changes. That's a hard month anyway. Yeah. Um, so just kind of preparing for that, but then also trying to use this past year for as much growth as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, unpacking a lot of those foundational blocks that made it hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of those things is when I am, when I go to stress, I have a very, very hard time verbalizing what I need from others. Yeah. I go into, I'm just going to do it all. I'm just going to do it all. Yep. Leave me alone. You know, that's how I work in stress. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that that did not help me last year, mm-hmm. that really hurt, you know, my mental state. And so if I don't want to get back to that place and I know there's a good chance that I'm going to go to stress when we go back to work, what kind of building blocks am I going to set up on the front end to help myself communicate better in that having a plan, having a conversation before the moment ever happens. I feel like that might help because again, I, I don't want to get in my mind that next year is going to be just perfect. You know, Oh, it's over. We're great. Like that may not be the case. And so how can we right now and I'm in a good mental state fix and prepare myself to be able to handle that stress better. And that's what, that's a sign of a great leader too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you anticipate and you prepare for, issues that will happen. Like, it's not like they're not going to happen. There will be problems ahead. And how will you handle those in creating a plan to do that is so powerful. Great, great advice. Yes. Yeah. So anything else, Corey, I'm going to leave it. Anything else? Final words of wisdom? That's it. That's it it. all. There it is. Well, (laughs) Corey is also. I was going to say she's going to be at the national conference. At the national look at you getting in first. I had to. I know because she took my my thought from my brain last time. She is going to be a part of um, a very important panel, she a Q and A live discussion. We're calling it a uh, what do you, what do you call? I, I call it a, a living room chat. A living room chat. She is going to be sharing again some of her story that you heard here today, but just other again, just real strategies. Real, real emotions, real feelings that are tied and tied to teaching, and yeah. so we're so excited for her to be a part of that. She's also <laughs> wears many different hats to get your teach on. She's also in charge of our amazing, amazing magic squad. So if you're curious about volunteering, you oh. can reach out. To Come on over. <laughs> uh, send me a message. Hope we'll send you my way. <laughs> that's right. She always loves when I do that. No, but she's. We're so grateful to have her yeah. on our team, and she has really, really, really pushed us and challenged our thinking, especially during this season. We're Very. always grateful for her not Wise. just showing up and say, yes, I'm here to do whatever. She's like, no, here's what teachers need. And yeah. so we always appreciate the fact that she is showing up for you on behalf of you. She is definitely an advocate for teachers in every way, shape, and form. So Corey, thank you for that. Thank We're you, so Corey. excited about this summer. Corey and I are on the phone about every day together, so I won't even say goodbye to her because we'll be chatting about the National Conference yeah, and all of the sure. amazing things yeah. that we have coming up, which we would love for you to join. It is July 19th to the 22nd in Orlando, Florida. July. Yes, there's still time to grab your tickets, (laughs) so make sure you do that. But Corey, thank you so much for being on this episode of the new EDU. Again, if you listen to this all the way through and you did not hear the beginning of Corey's story, it is a good listen, so make sure you check that out. And we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. The new EDU is hosted by me, Wade King. And me, Hope King. The show is produced by Chelsea Harfush and edited by Andrew Weller, with production support from Sterling Coates and Chase Mayo. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. The new EDU podcast is a 3% chance production.